And I, I was dreading a little bit coming this week just because it was such a busy week and and um, just so much going on. But the Lord is quick to remind every time how refreshing it is to to carve time out to get into His Word together, to fellowship together. It's just such a strengthening time for the body, I believe. I hope it's an encouraging time for you as well. Even if it was like uh, like for me... You know, a, a little painful and a little dreadful at first, um, the Lord's blessing. So I, I hope that's you. You can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll start off with hopefully what's the most controversial thing I say all night. It is way too warm for family camp. Okay? We have some amens and we have some boos, but that's fine. It's too warm for family camp, but this is in the Lord's good providence, so we won't grumble. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at the first four verses this evening. This is what God's Word says. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother... This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. O gracious Father, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you captivate our attention even after a long, fun-filled day? Would the Word be pleasant to us? Would it be life-giving to us, Lord? Would it not entertain us, but would it challenge and encourage us and captivate our attention? Lord, we desperately need Your Spirit. We desperately need Your Word. Lord, would You help us to long for Your Word, even in weariness, even with distractions. Lord, children and parents alike this evening, would You help us as we as we strive to hold our attention to the Word. We ask these things in Your name. Amen. Amen. I love how Jason started us off last night. If you weren't here, you need to go back and check that out. He said, sound doctrine, or in other words, good teaching, solid biblical teaching, should lead to sound conduct or to good, solid biblical living. Then if you caught it in Warren's message this morning, Warren talked about our lives or our good living by the grace of God, whatever that looks like as sinners, As an apologetic, our lives, our conduct is a sort of an apologetic. It means it's a sort of a defense of faith. actually means that our conduct, as the Lord's Spirit works in us, acts as a defense of the gospel in a way. Right? Not perfectly, but it is a defense of the faith. How you talk, how, how I, I act and how I respond, how I treat others. Does it show something of the Christian faith? Does it show something of the grace of God? And, and if you are in Christ, then it should, right? It's an apologetic. Sound doctrine, correct biblical teaching should lead by God's grace and His sanctification to 
a right and a good living. So I have the task of addressing children and parents. And those are really the two points. I don't have any clever uh, points from the Word that, to, to come off with, with a catchy three points, but I just have two points. It's We're going to look at children and we're going to look at parents. And if you forget those points, they, they are, they're right there in the text. So those are really the, the two points. In the Christian home, how are children taught to honor God and how are we as parents taught to honor God in the way that we raise our children. So starting in Ephesians 6.1, let's read it again. Children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, children on the front row, this, this, this part is especially for you. Okay, this, this first half is for children. Paul says specifically children here. Okay, and before we even dig into the passage, let's look at a couple of basic conclusions that I think we can get from this passage. Okay, that tells us a little bit about all of Scripture and how you as children should approach it. First of all, it is a misconception, and it's even a lie, I will say, That you should not believe, that you should get out of your mind, that Scripture is just for adults. That preaching God's Word and the teaching of God's Word in a setting where the whole congregation is, is just for adults. Scripture is for you, kids. Scripture is for you. It's for you to hear. It's for you to take in. It's for you to pay attention to. It's for you to learn from. It's for you to be corrected by. It's for you to be challenged by. It's even sometimes made for you to be, uh, for it to shake you. It's, it's made even to, to spark your emotions, not just the emotions of adults. It's, it's, it's meant to unsettle you at times. It's, it's meant to undo you, children. Not just adults. It's to wake you up and to instruct Children even, of God's way. Children, when you are sitting under the Word, let's not just take it for granted that the the Bible being taught isn't just for adults to pay attention to, but it's for you to pay attention to. It's for you to begin learning and to begin being moved by that which is good, that which is right, that which is true. That which is beautiful. Don't think for a second that the preaching and teaching and discussing of Scripture is just for adults. Start now developing the skill of sitting still and listening to the most important words you can ever hear. God's words. And parents, don't think for a second that it's in vain that you would ask and require of your kids to sit still and learn the skill of paying attention to the Word of God. Parents, I'll encourage you also here that this toil, that this energy spent on this is well worth it to train your children in the basic skill of being a sponge to soak up the Word of God. With this letter, it would have been read. It would have been read aloud to all of the congregations, to all 
of the churches. And the children weren't just pressing, present to listen, but here they are actually addressed. The children were addressed. Second conclusion, I think, that we can take from this is that authority and submission are God's purpose for our good. Authority and submission. Almost curse words in our culture, kids. Are God's purpose for our good. Our parents being in charge of us as children is for our good. It's for our safety. It's for our care. It's for our nourishment. It's for our growth. Kids, submitting is for your good as we learn to wrestle with the rebellion in our own hearts. Submission is for your good as we learn to submit to what is right, as we learn about the truth and how to destroy the sin that still is deep inside of us. Submission is a gift from God. Authority is a gift from God. This is God's plan for children to have parents that are their authority so that they are taken care of in everything. So Paul says simply, Children, obey your parents. Children, kids, you catch that? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In Ephesians 5, Paul uses the word over and over again, submit, when he's talking about wives submitting to the husband. When he's talking about the church and its role to submit to Christ. When he's talking about all believers submitting in humility to one another. And really, in Ephesians 6 here, it's a continuation of the, the theme of submission. But here, Paul goes a step forward. He uses a different word that is obey. This is a stronger word than to submit. It's a stronger word that means this, to comply. To comply, it's a strong command from Paul that is unquestionably, without a doubt, kids, meaning that you are expected to obey your parents. To obey your parents when you're tired. To obey your parents when you don't feel like it. To obey your parents when you're hungry. To obey your parents when you're upset and when you're mad and when they've said something that you just don't agree with. To obey your parents when you're sad. To obey your parents even when they're not in the same room with you. Even when they are away. You are to, you are to obey your parents always. Why? Because it is right. When your parents leave the house for a couple of hours and your older adult sibling is watching you and your parents say, listen to your sister, she's in charge. When you go crazy and you act like a fool and you disrespect your sister, that's called disobedience. When your parents are out of the room and they've said no more snacks and you look up with a smiling face fooling them with what you think to be perfect obedience or at least they think it to be perfect obedience and you say yes ma'am or yes sir and as soon as they walk out of the room you sneak another snack, that is disobedience. 
When you take forever to respond and listen, and you have to be asked multiple times to do the same thing, that's not slow obedience, as my wife says. That's disobedience. That's disobedience. When you continue to argue with your parents when you've already been given the answer over and over again, that's disobedience. When you've been asked not to do something, but you do it anyway, that's disobedience. Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Could sound harsh to our ears. When Paul says... Parents in the Lord here, he's not saying Christian parents. Okay, we, we, we can see in Christ or in the Lord sometimes to, to mean in, in the faith. But, but when Paul says, finishes this sentence by parents in the Lord, he's not saying Christian parents. Commentator Clint Arnold puts this well. He said, he says this, and listen, this is great parents also. Paul appeals to the children to have an obedience that transcends the parental, because I said so, to a motivation rooted in a respect for the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Are we teaching our children a motivation rooted in the Lordship of Jesus Christ over something It just says, because I said so. Children, what is your motivation to obey your parents? God's way, God's plan would say, should be because you love and respect, firstly, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the ultimate authority of your parents, who gave your parents authority over you, is Christ Jesus. Kids, do you understand... That God gave you to your parents on purpose. I know some days it feels like accidentally you got the wrong parents. Trust me, we have those same days. (laughs) Understand that your parents received you from God to raise you on purpose. If you have a big view of Scripture, if you have a big view of God, then you know that God is in everything and God gave you to your parents on purpose. He didn't mess up. He didn't switch you at birth. He gave you your parents on purpose. Understand that God is in everything. Obey your parents in the Lord because it's the Lord's will. Because this is ultimately, when you obey your parents, this is obedience to King Jesus. Children, listen and understand in a very, very real way. When you disobey your parents, you are ultimately disobeying the Lord Jesus Christ. You are in disobedience to God. And I will say this, listen children. You aren't just disobeying God. Think it like this. You are against God in the sin of disobedience. You are against God in the sin of rebellion and disobedience in your heart. It is the constant prayer of your parents. Parents, you can back me on this. It is the constant prayer of your parents. Churches here represented. It's the constant 
prayer of churches that you would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would see Him as Lord and Savior of all, whether you acknowledge it or not, that you would see that God is over everything, including asking you to be obedient to your parents, for this is right in the Lord. Paul expands on obey with the fifth commandment. He goes to the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Look at verses 2 and 3. After he says, children, obey your parents, he says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. See, obedience is just one way that we would honor our parents. Paul brings up the commandment to Israel that was given in the Old Covenant for the people to honor their fathers and mothers. You understand, when we honor, when we honor, we obey. That's one part of honoring our parents. But we also value their instruction. Understand that. To honor our parents fully is to value their instruction. We even, even when the Lord does a work on our hearts, we would even say we desire their instruction. We desire their correction. The believer, do you understand that a mark of the believer, one who has the Spirit, is that they would desire, though painful, to be disciplined and corrected? It's by God's grace that that's what He would do with our children. We love our parents when we honor them. We cherish our parents. We respect our parents. We don't just think that our parents are old and and stupid and dumb. We begin to realize they are wise. We We begin to realize that they are smarter than us and they always will be. When you refuse to behave to acknowledge that your parents have authority over you and when you harden your heart to their wisdom and authority, children, you are rebelling towards them and you are rebelling towards God. Let me read you something just to spark gratitude of being a New Covenant believer. Living in New Covenant times. You don't have to turn there, but listen to Deuteronomy Chapter 21, verse 18. Listen to this story, children, about the rebellious son. This was in the law of Moses. When the fifth command was broken, here is further commentary on that law. And here's the punishment. Listen to this. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. To scare you, maybe, perhaps, 
but more importantly to show what God thinks when He gave the people of Israel the command to honor your father and mother, to obey your parents. Do you see the importance that God puts on honoring the people that He gave you? Look at verse 2 and 3 again. This comes from the Decalogue. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There is long life and it may go well with you. These are two blessings. These are two blessings that the Old Covenant talked about and, and actually said you, that it may go well with you in the land. You see, in the, in, we won't go, get into it tonight, but in the, in the, in the Old Covenant... There was land promise, right? And we don't have a land promise to us. We have an eternity with Jesus promise to us, but we don't have an actual sect of land that is promised to us. Okay, but there was, uh, there were these two blessings that were pronounced. That there is long life and that it may go well with you. And these two blessings for us would be best to understand that Paul brings this up as general wisdom. And that's actually even what it would have been for, for Israel. It would have been understood as, as not a promise and a guarantee, but a promise that good things come from those who honor their parents, their mother and their father. Okay, so of course parents have had children that have been what seem to be outwardly obedient, that have died at a young age. Of course, some children never got to show active and outward obedience because they, they died an early death. But this isn't a, a, a blessing guaranteeing long life and, and uh, that it may go well with you, but it's a general wisdom that shows the, um, the value of honoring your parents. Because godly parents give godly instruction for living, then we can say that you can live and enjoy more of God's gift of life to you with those boundaries that God sets up, with those boundaries that your parents set up according to God's standards. We would enjoy more of life. Okay, when I think it was Owen when I was younger, when he was younger, when we were both younger, um, <laughs> he. He was uh, he was a feisty one, and and um, and Owen didn't know I was going to tell the story, but he'll he'll be fine with it. Um, I remember passing a, a prison and saying, "You know what that's for? That's for people who don't obey your parents." <laughs> now that's that that could be a joke, that could be funny, but how many in the prison system? are of those who rebelled ferociously against the parents that God gave them. How many of them are from a young age were totally against God and anything of His good and right and true and beautiful creation? Say, probably most of them. It's important. And we see that there is blessing in honoring 
Our mother and father, it will go well with you. You'll avoid a lot of trouble in this life that foolish and reckless and rebellious living brings. You'll enjoy this life more as the gift of God when you don't rebel against His ways. Children, your parents aim to teach you what is good, what is right, what is true, what is beautiful. You know boundaries set by them, informed by the boundaries set by God, are meant to promote that which is good and that which is right, that which is true, what is beautiful. Ask the Lord for His help. That's what we should do. Children, ask the Lord. If you have zero desire to serve the Lord, if your heart is cold to the things of the Lord, if you need the Lord to save your soul still, cry out to the Lord. You will never be able to obey your parents with a dead, cold heart. You won't be able to obey your parents perfectly as a regenerated, born-again believer. But by God's strength, His grace will transform. His grace will inform. And by His grace, we will understand more and more of His will and submit our will to His that it would be well with us. And parents... Parents, we turn to verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We have really three parts. You could chunk this, this verse into three parts. Don't provoke your children to anger. Bring them up. And bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord specifically. Now right away you'll notice that fathers specifically are addressed. Now there's no doubt, and I believe that fathers are the head of the home. I believe that Scripture teaches that. I believe that that husbands are the head of the wife. And they bear the responsibility to be in charge of the home. There is no doubt. That is, that is the teaching of Scripture. They, they hold and bear the main responsibility in the home... For their children. But I think it's right here to also recognize that Paul just said, children, obey your parents. Talking about both mom and dad. So there is this turning now to parents, not just fathers, okay? But he speaks to fathers representing that headship. As that headship role. So he turns to father, okay? Make no mistake, this, this is for parents. Okay, Both parents are to be obeyed and honored. Both parents are commanded here not to provoke to anger. And, and both parents are commanded here to raise children, to rear children. Mothers, in many stages, you could argue, and there's no doubt about it, there's no arguing necessary, are more active in the role of rearing children than fathers. Okay, So this is for both parents. Parents. So Paul turns to the parents here and, and briefly, because I'm running out of time quickly. Briefly, isn't it fascinating? Is it not fascinating that the first thing he says to parents and what he says also in this sister passage in Colossians 3 is to not provoke your children to anger. That's fascinating to me. That's a little mind-boggling that out of all the things that you think we would hear or need to hear, that he starts off to Christian parents to say, do not provoke your children to anger. 
It's not the first thing I would think of. I think it's not the first thing most of us would think of. But for Paul, it is foundational. Parents, you think it only goes one way that your children can provoke you to anger? Paul says, don't provoke your children to anger, fathers. Parents, it is completely possible, parents, and it's actually way easier to parent in a way that provokes your children. That's the easy route. It's way easier to parent in a way that provokes your children. It's way easier to be harsh. It's way easier, honestly, to be oppressive. It's way easier to be unfair and controlling than it is to raise them up in the Lord. Just like children who are disobedient when they're tired and hungry and mad, we don't want to take the time to parent when we're tired and hungry and mad. We know we're on top in the relationship. We know who has the power. We know who has the authority. It's easier in that moment to say, because I said so and you better do this, and to just parent with force. We'll clean up the mess later. We can be so unreasonable in our parenting And completely discourage our kids. And I want to remind us as parents, especially of younger ones in that difficult stage, but parents of all children, your children have souls. They have sensitivities and needs because of their struggles just like you do. They're not your little slaves. Teaching them how to work isn't the same as making them do all the work. Lou Priolo here is, is, is very helpful. He lists 25 ways that we provoke our children to anger. You could come up with more. It's in his book, The Heart of Anger. But let me go through a little a bit of these and you see now if it's a clearer picture of why Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says and starts with in two of his epistles to the, to the parents, do not provoke your children to anger. Priolo says one way that you can provoke your children to anger is a lack of marital harmony in the home. If all your children see or disharmony and disunity with mom and dad, it's going to provoke a heart of anger. How about this one? Establishing and maintaining a child-centered home. If your children are the center, if they're running rampant, if, if, if they have unlimited freedom, if there is no discipline, if there are no boundaries, that's a child-centered home. And later on, that will provoke them to anger. Why was I not loved with discipline? How about you yourself modeling sinful anger? Guilty? How about habitually disciplining out of anger? How about scolding? How about being inconsistent with discipline? How about having double standards? How about constantly finding fault? How about comparing your children to others? How about comparing your children to your other children? How about not making time just to talk? How about failing to keep your promises? How about mocking your children? 
How about unrealistic expectations? How about practicing favoritism? Okay, this is this list could go on. I think we get the point. It's completely possible for us to do this, to be like this in our parenting. When you start to think about these things, you see exactly why this is a crucial issue and the starting place for Paul. You see exactly why this is important for the Spirit of God to address. We are to train them up, parents. We are to instruct them. We are to discipline them. We are to do this in the Lord. We are called to do this by the power of the Spirit, not by our own strength. We are called to do this by firmness. Yes, we need to be firm. We need to be resilient and gritty. It's a, it's a, it's a war zone sometimes. We need to be locked tight and focused. But with humility, with grace, with mercy, with forgiveness, with gentleness, hoping and praying that all along, someday, if they aren't already, Someday that they will not only just be our children, but they will also be our brothers and sisters in Christ. And they won't just be our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we won't have a damaged relationship, but it will be a fruitful relationship with them as our, as our co, co-heir with Christ. Our brothers and sisters. <coughs> this bringing them up is a training. It's a nourishing. It's the same verb when, when Paul uses it in Ephesians 5 of, of husbands loving their wives. This is a nourishment. Do you think of child rearing and training up your children as nourishing them? We should. It's intentional. It's crucial. We can't just willy-nilly raise children. This first word here in the SV is discipline. This is a word meaning instruction or training in the faith. This, the word instruction next to it for the ESV, and there's a, a number of different words used here, but this word instruction in the ESV is actually a word that means admonishing or a warning or, or reprove. It's where we actually get the word uh, for neuthetic, neuthetic counseling, right? To, to reprove. To, to change the resistant mind. This is where discipline comes in, in the Lord. To tackle that sin, not with harshness, not with my way or the highway, not with, I'm going to control this situation, but to tackle it with God's truth. To show the why of God's way. We are to teach and discipline with the Word of God and do it consistently and patiently and with humility, prayerfully relying on the Spirit. You see, this whole section, if you go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, around verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then Paul goes into this section of what it is to be filled in the Spirit. Okay, he's speaking to believers. No doubts in congregations back then, just like our congregations, unbelievers present too, but guess what? The same preaching that sanctifies the congregation of God also transforms and, and regenerates the, 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 uh, the unbeliever, right? With law, 
with gospel. He starts this, he starts this section on the spirit, being in the spirit. What does that look like for a church to be in the spirit with each other? What does it look like in a marriage for a husband and wife to be in the spirit? What does it look like for children and parents to be in the spirit? Okay, this whole section is on the Spirit. And that brings us to this conclusion. We are powerless without the Spirit. We are powerless to obey. Children, do you need to hear firmly that you need to obey your children? Yeah, or your parents? Yes. Why? Because it's right. Because God says it's right. And it's good. But can you... Can you obey your parents out of a pure heart? Without the Spirit of God, no. You can't. Parents, is it right, even as unchristian parents, to expect our children to obey? Yes, even for unbelievers, it is good. It is God's will. It is God's setup that parents are over their children and they can expect them to obey. But can parents parent in the Spirit without the Spirit? The answer is an obvious no. We are desperately in need of the Spirit. We are in desperate need of the Lord's saving grace. Okay, so we, we can preach up here boldly the truth of God. I can call all these commands to your attention. And we can make everyone in here sit up straight and listen and pay attention. But we are fully dependent on the Word of God to use the preaching, or the Spirit of God to use the preaching of the Word of God to transform and save souls. That we would be able to see that sound doctrine produces godly living in the home. That is our desire as Christian parents that our homes would display that. That is our desire as the, in this church, in this, in this congregation, and these congregations represented here that anyone without Christ would hear this word of God, both law, what God requires that you can't meet, and gospel that you need all grace to do this, that you would hear it and respond to it. That you would come into the fellowship of this big family of God, this household of God, that as little families we would be able to do this imperfectly, yes, but by God's grace and strength to be able to do this, that our life would be, as Warren spoke of this morning, an apologetic for the faith. That people would be able to look at our families and say, Look how that mom and dad graciously and patiently corrects that child. Look at that child. Is it possible for God to save young children in this congregation? Yes. Has God already done that in multiple ways? In multiple lives? Yes, we have many professions. That's another uh, conclusion you can see from this passage. that, That God is is through the Spirit giving these words to Paul and children. There's actually believing young children that can develop this desire to be obedient to their parents, to live in that fruitful, good, and right, and beautiful, and true way. And at the end of the day, it is of no strength of our own. It is all glory to Christ. 
Parents and children, talk to each other about this. One of the crazy parts about family camp is you sit under the Word of God and it's stirring and all of a sudden we have to transition to the next activity because this thing is a quick moving train, right? But parents, after hearing this, children, after hearing this, what's the plan to talk with your children? What's the plan to talk with each other? What's the plan to discuss this? What's the plan to apologize where needed? What's the plan to humble yourself? Pray constantly for the fruit that only the Spirit produces. And in these relationships, children to parents, parents to children, seek after that good, that right, that true, that beautiful way of God depending on God's strength the whole way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. (coughs) Oh, Father, what a perfect and loving and merciful and patient Father You are to guide us and direct us to discipline us and to love us so well. Lord, as Your children, we lack nothing. As the children of God, we lack nothing. We are wonderfully cared for. Father, it is my prayer this evening that every heart would be surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. That every heart, long before we try to get our families intact, long before these children try to clean up their hearts and obey on their own, Lord, long before this, it is our prayer that You would humble our hearts, that You would break our hearts, that we would submit fully, that we would obey the call of God to come to Christ. Father, I ask for strength for these parents as they teach both law and Your glorious Gospel in their home as they parent with both. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, give us understanding of Your Word. Help us to know that all Scripture is good for teaching and admonishing correcting, encouraging. Lord, help us to know this. Father, help these children and all of the different households here, Lord, help these children to see You clearly. Lord, break their hearts with their sin that they may cry out to You and be redeemed. Lord, would You wash these children. Father, make our households little churches where we long to worship You, where we long to pray to You for our every need, where we long to sing praises to You. Father, help us to be little churches knowing that our 
primary goal as one's created by You is to glorify You and to enjoy You forever. Father, to You be the glory alone. It's in Your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.